Come one, come all, come gather around. Come hear tales both lost and found. Finally, show not about true crime. It's David and Michael story time. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Story Time. I'm David Miller, and I'm over here being called Michael Santel. <laughs> yep. Uh, so David, yeah, it's my turn. Uh huh. I David, I understand it's your turn. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, you. We, this is the first time on Storytime you're not doing something vaguely religious. I'm an aimless wanderer. Uh-huh. You've now moved away from the tales of ancient, of the desert religions, Honestly, if you it's making me nervous, because I feel like I don't have any other stories besides... <laughs> Listen, there's lots of other religions you get to eventually <laughs> yeah, tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were uh, toting something interesting in the office today. Yeah, I was, so I would, like spent a lot of today and yesterday like agonizing over what stories to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how we story we wait to the very last fucking second um, but i decided on this one we actually have mentioned this one in a like i think i mentioned this story in a past story that you were telling me i was like oh kind of like this story and you were like i guess and i was like oh do you know it and you were like eh. i don't yeah yeah i don't think and I, and I was like oh okay cool so uh i brought the prince and the pauper okay is this there, like there was once a disney version that had mickey mouse and also mickey mouse I don't, I don't remember that one. Great. I remember the one where he's the tailor and he fights the giant. That's not it. He fights a giant a couple of times. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's it. That's not this one. Is this like the story The Whipping Boy, I, where I, the rich prince trades places with his whipping boy? Like, he, okay. He has a whipping boy, and whenever he gets in trouble, they, like, whip the whipping boy, and they, I like, see. switch places, this... and then they go outside, and then they both work together, and the rich kid, spoilers, learns it's not okay to whip people. Okay. Uh, I don't know that that will be the lesson in this one, but the, the, there oh, are... There is, but there is whipping there in this one. There are definitely similarities to that in this. Right. I, um, and I, I don't know the order of these. Uh, I don't know when The Whipping Boy was quote-unquote written. I read it in the seventh grade. It's got to be written in, like, 92. Like, oh, there's okay. no way. So, yeah, so this is definitely first. And okay. That was, yeah, okay. Uh, because. But, I, okay. Well, okay, go. David, you talk. So, one thing that I didn't know, and I haven't ever read the actual original story of this. I just knew it from, like, a, the Disney version that I knew as a kid. Right. And then, like, some other version that I had seen or, like, referenced or at some point, like, whatever. So, um, I found the original story, and I did not know this until today. This is written by Mark Twain. Wow. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. The American Mark Twain? Samuel Clemens himself. The number one storyteller of all time, yeah. Mark Twain? Yeah. The, arguably, the original stand-up comedian. I mean, I don't know if he... Did he do these things live? Yeah, he would do... He would, like, go around and tell stories live, and That's he's fun. very humorous, and people would laugh yeah. so much at yeah. these funny tales. He was, he was known as a very witty, charming man. Yeah. Yo, uh, so, I... Okay. I don't know the specifics of The Prince and the Pauper. Okay. But I do... But I... Okay. Predictions. Oh, yeah. Predictions. I do know that this is a changing... Okay. Like, I've never seen this one, but I know, like... Wishbone. I'm, I'm sure I saw Wishbone do it at some point. <laughs> okay. I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm like aware of the concept. There's a rich person and a poor person. Mm -hmm. Something happens where they switch places. Okay. The rich per the poor person is delighted to no ends to be in this new life. Okay. The rich person, who's now the poor person, is horrified at the conditions that poor people live in. Uh huh. Um, and they probably learn some lesson. In the end, he like gets to be a rich person too. Okay. Uh, I will say, though, my, like, predictions of things I don't know, like, flavor-wise, yeah. there's gonna be some hijinks at a pie shop where they okay. both get some pies. Okay. Um, they're gonna trick some guards in a fun, tricky way. Okay. Um, 
And there'll be a part where they like fall down like a sewer or a gutter. They're like, whoa! It's like, get away from there. <laughs> okay. So that might uh, also be a Disney version. Maybe. Uh, so I will say that what we're going to go through today is not the full story. It's a lot longer than I thought it was. Okay. <laughs> Are we going to do it all, though? Uh, I, yes, I hope so. Okay. Uh, I, I plan to. I mean, so. you fucking made a promise, David. A yeah. promise is a yeah. promise. So I have the first, like, five... We're going to try to get through the first five chapters. Okay. I think... I don't remember exactly how many there are, but they're like 27, 30 chapters. Okay. Like that. Um, probably even more than that. I can't remember. Um, but we're going to just get through it. And uh, so it's written by Mark Twain, who lived in the 1800s, right? <laughs> Yes, and he died at the latter half of that. Yeah. He wrote that. He wrote his uh, memoirs and released it a hundred years after his death. That's fun. Because he talks shit about everyone. He's like, oh, I can't have people read Not this. Not when they're alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait till they're all dead. Um, so this is set in the 16th century. Okay. So a couple of hundred years before. Putting snuff in our noses, yeah, having yeah. fancy frilly things on our wrists. And it's also not set in the United States. It's set in Europe. It is. In... A place where princes are. Okay, it doesn't say the country. I know, it's literally the first sentence. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Alright, so here we go. The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain. Chapter one. Chapter one. The Birth of the Prince and the Pauper. Oh, okay. <laughs> the chapters have titles. Oh, great. I didn't know I was going to make one up, but I'm glad they have some. Yeah. Uh... In the, I'm gonna guess the chapter title every single time. Okay, I'll, I, then yeah. Okay, okay well, I'll great. let you do it from here on. Uh, in the ancient city of London, London Town, on a certain autumn day in the second quarter of the 16th century, there was a barber and his wife. She <laughs> was beautiful. A boy was born to a poor family of the name of Canty, who did not want him. Oh, I know their ancestor, John Canty. He's very funny. I'm... Okay, great. <laughs> You're not going to make a reference to that joke? You didn't like that one? John Canty is a name in this story. So. Oh my god! <laughs> he was related to him! Uh, on the same day, another English child was born to a rich family of the name of Tudor. Oh, as the line of kings yes. Tudors. Who did want him. Okay, okay, great. All England wanted him too. England had so longed for him and hoped for him and prayed God for him that now... Uh, that he was really come, the people went nearly mad for joy. Is a, that's a very funny thing to think about. Uh, yeah, Henry VIII was the one who killed all those wives, right? Correct. Was he a tutor? Yes. Okay, cool. So this is this is the fictional version of what would have happened if England got their shit together they got their and got a bit. Yeah, he was able to fuck a baby into a lady. Mere acquaintances hugged and kissed each other and cried. Everybody took a holiday, and the high and low, rich and poor, feasted and danced and sang and got very mellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're they got very mellow. Yeah, they drank so much they were like, oh, "I gotta sit down for or this." They smoke the weed. Oh, you think so? I don't know. I do like the they idea. They got mellow, man. I do like the idea of the town crier being like, hear ye, hear ye, a king's son was born today! And everyone just chilling out. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe getting very mellow, mellow means like uh, like normally there's a lot of unrest in the city and yeah, today everybody just literally <laughs> chilled out. Uh, so they got very mellow, uh, and they kept this up for days and nights together. Oh, fuck yeah, we partied for a week! By day, London was a sight to see, with gay banners waving from every balcony and housetop and splendid pageants marching along. Oh, it's a gay pride parade! <laughs> it's all LGBT friendly! Yeah. By night... I'm every woman! <laughs> By night, it was again a sight to see, with its great bonfires at every corner and its troops of revelers making merry around them. There was no talk in England but of the new baby... Edward Tudor, Prince of Wales, who lay lapped in silks and satins, unconscious of all this fuss, and not knowing that great 
lords and ladies were tending him and watching over him. And not caring, either. He's a baby! What does he have to care about? Bring me a titty! But there was no talk about the other baby, Tom Canty, lapped in his poor rags, except among the family of paupers, whom he had just come to trouble with his presence. Ugh, please don't bump me out with how difficult it is to be a poor person. In London in the 1600s. I get it! He's a burden on the family! Mom's gonna have to get another job! Chapter 2. Oh, chapter 2. Uh, so you have your two your two children, Edward and Tom. Okay, Edward and Tom. Mm-hmm. And Tom. Uh, Edward is the rich one, Tom is the, the poor one. I, I love that you're doing this. I need some sort of card know, in front of me. If we could... Eventually I'll draw a picture. Yeah. I'll draw a picture. So chapter two. Chapter two. Uh, uh, a day like no other. <laughs> okay. Chapter two. Tom's early life. Okay. <laughs> okay, I skipped way too far ahead. Well, guess, and Tom is the poor one. Uh, Tom is the poor one. Okay. You skipped far ahead, but look at the first sentence of chapter two. Let us skip a number of years. <laughs> man, man, we feel each other. Me and this author, we won and won. Twain, Let's man. go, Twainy. London was 1,500 years old and was a great town for that day. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit yeah, of, a little bit of, a little bit of an elbow. It's better in America. But I mean, so he's an American yeah. author. He's, he's getting his hits in. Uh, it had 100,000 inhabitants, some think double as many. The streets were very narrow and crooked and dirty, especially in the part of t- uh, in the part where Tom Canty lived, which was not far from London Bridge. Ooh, okay, that burned down. Yeah, uh, the houses were of wood, with the second story projecting over the first and the third sticking its elbows out beyond the second. The higher the houses grew, the broader they grew. They were skeletons of strong crisscross beams with solid material between, coated with plaster. Now, question: I know that some parts of London are not very sturdy. In fact, I've been told that London Bridge is well, falling down. Well, London Bridge is falling down. Falling down. Falling down. Falling down. London Bridge is falling down. Yeah, I know, but like, my fair lady. The beams were painted red or blue or black, according to the owner's taste. Oh, thank God. And this gave houses a very picturesque look. The windows were small, glazed with little diamond-shaped panes, and they opened outward on hinges like doors. How fun it must have been on the ground level of the paint industry being like, boys! We're gonna be number one in this town. We have three colors: <laughs> red, blue, or black. God damn it! How did they get that red? We've been trying to get red for years. I hear someone's working on green. <laughs> Blast me! Do not bring that language in here. The house which Tom's father lived in was up a foul little pocket called Awful Court. Ugh, Jesus. Uh, awful spelled O F F A L, which is also bad shit. Yeah, yeah, it's all bad. Uh, out of Pudding Lane. Oh Jesus! Like pudding, like P U D. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying. It was small, decayed, and rickety, but it was packed full of wretchedly poor families. Oh, okay. Canty's tribe occupied a room on the third floor. Okay, cool. The mother and father had a sort of bedstead in the corner, but Tom, his grandmother, and his two sisters, Bet and Nan, were not restricted. They had the floor all to themselves. Yeah, right. And might sleep where they choose. Uh, there what, were... a, what a great fun way for <laughs> poor people to be, yeah. to make it Look, I get this whole kids. floor to pick from. Right. There were the remains of a blanket or two, and some bundles of ancient and dirty straw, but these could not rightly be called beds, for they were not organized. They were kicked into a general pile. Mornings and selections made uh, from the mass at night for service. That's awful! They can't even afford straw? They don't yeah. even... You have bits of blankets? Yeah. How, they he's can't a, even afford a blanket? He's a very poor pauper. I get it! He's a pauper! Yeah. 
Bet and Nan were 15 year old years old. Twins. Mm, they perfect were, to go to the countryside. They, they were good-hearted girls, unclean, clothed in rags, and profoundly ignorant. It's not their fault! They're <laughs> so poor and dumb! Their mother was like them. But the father and the grandmother were a couple of fiends. They got drunk whenever they could. Oh. Then they fought each other or anybody else who came in the way. They stole the... The family has so little money and they're spending it on booze. They cursed and swore always, drunk or sober. John Canty was a thief and his mother a beggar. John Canty. Uh-huh. The father is John Canty. Uh, and his mother a beggar. Are you sure he's the father? Yes. I, I. Are you sure he's not like an Uncle Buck situation? It's, it's the dad. Okay. Uh, they made beggars of the children, but failed to make thieves of them. Among, but not of, the dreadful rabble that inhabited the house was a good old priest whom the king had turned out of house and home with a pension of a few farthings, and he used to get the children aside and teach them the right ways secretly. I identify with this. His parents are a piece of shit. It's not his fault. He was born in this situation. Do you know how much a farthing is? Great question. A, uh, Look, I wrote little, I have a little dictionary. I, I love it. A Farthing. Yes. Uh, uh, so this five priest, shillings and like a half a penny. So uh, the farthing is a unit of currency. It was withdrawn or put out of service in 1961. Oh, okay. That's is, not that long ago. It was the smallest amount of currency. Oh, it's like a penny of a penny. A farthing is one fourth of a penny. Oh, so you need four of the four farthings makes a penny. Please talk about how far money used to go that they were taking. They had quarters of well, pennies. and that's another way to say that these people are very poor. The 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 priest whose pension is a few farthings. Right, so he gets seventy. He gets he gets seventy five cents of a penny. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. a penny. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and he used to teach the children the right way secretly. Father Andrew also taught Tom a little Latin and how to read and write, and would have done the same with the girls, but they were afraid of the jeers of their friends who could not have endured such a queer accomplishment in them. Hey, look at those girls reading books over yeah. there, the locks of those ladies! All awful court was just such another hive as Canty's house. This is pretty good, though. He basically has a way better leg he's, up. He's got a slight... He's got some education. He can speak a little bit of Latin. David, you can't even speak a little bit of Latin. This guy's doing better than you. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing better than me. Uh, everything, everywhere else in Awful Court was just another hive as Canty's house. Drunkenness, riot, and brawling were the order, there every night and nearly all night long. Broken heads were as common as hunger in that place. Ugh. Yet little Tom was not unhappy. He had a hard time of it, but did not know it. It was the sort of time that all the Awful Court boys had, and therefore, he supposed it was the correct and comfortable thing. Yeah, you hear this all the time, you're like, when people are like, I didn't know we were poor, we are just, you know, this we, just how it was. we ate bugs all the time. Yeah. When he came home empty-handed at night, he knew his father would curse him and thrash him first, and that when he was done, the awful grandmother would do it all over again and improve upon it. Ooh, she was a little, she had a little bit harder, got and a little bit more experience. And that away in the night, his starving mother would slip to him stealthily with any miserable scrap of crust that she'd been able to save for him by going hungry herself. Oh. Notwithstanding that she often was caught in that sort of treason and soundly beaten for it by her husband. No, Tom's life went along well enough, especially in the summer. Okay, I get that times are hard. Especially in the summer, it says. In the winter, it's probably it, cold. It's got a, no. In the in the winter, you don't. Everything is people awful. die in the but winter. But like, at least he's like warm, mm -hmm. right? He's like fine. Um, this does feel like Mark Twain's version of a Dickens tale. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. This is, that's like, exactly what it feels like reading. He's he's it's his own style, and he's he's. Painting a great picture. Yeah. And already that wit's already like peeking through. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's very much putting you in that like lifestyle of like, 
Right, it's Oliver Twist. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's not good. Oliver Twist, yeah. but it's it's, it's not Oliver Twist if it was written by Mark Twain. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Tom's life went along well enough, especially in the summer. He only begged just enough to save himself for the laws against mendi- mendicancy. Yeah, mendicancy were stringent and the penalties heavy. Do you know what mendicancy is? Uh, in the mall, they put their clothes on the mendicancy, <laughs> and you can like move them around. Mendicancy is the condition of being a beggar or the practice of begging. So you can't feed it them. Is, it is illegal to be a beggar. There, there are there are punishments for begging in London. Got it. So you and have to strict. and you have to sort of like do it on the sly. So he only begs enough to get what he needs to live, and then not anymore for fear of getting caught. Right. Don't do it in front of police. Don't do it like by a judge. Right. And you're right, like, right. Hey, hey, lady. But you also have to be in high traffic areas to get good begging. Right. So it's and like, you probably have to do. I bet he does a lot of things like, boy, is my tummy yeah. empty today? Get people to offer without begging. Right. Yeah. So he put in a good deal of his time listening to good Father Andrew's charming old tales and legends about giants and fairies, dwarves and genie, and enchanted castles and gorgeous kings and princes. He should subscribe to our podcast, Storytime. <laughs> he would love it. His head grew to be full of these wonderful things, and many a night as he lay in the dark on his scant and offensive straw, tired, hungry, and smarting from a thrashing, he unleashed his imagination and soon forgot his aches and pains and delicious picturings to himself of the charmed life of a petted prince in a regal palace. Imagine. <laughs> One desire came in time to haunt him day and night. It was to see a real prince with his own eyes. He spoke of it once to some of his awful court comrades, but they jeered him and scoffed him so unmercifully that he was glad to keep his dream to himself after that. We are so fucking spoiled that we have portals to look at anything in the yeah. known universe. To even and just imagine what it would look like to see a rich person. Right. He's, yeah, he's all I want is to see a rich person. Like, he just wants to, like, smell. He wants to smell what someone smells like when they have no smell. Yeah. He often read the priest's old books and got him to explain and enlarge upon them. His dreamings and readings worked certain changes in him by and by. His dream people were so fine that he grew to lament his shabby clothing and his dirt and to wish Ooh! and to wish to be clean and better clad. He went on playing in the mud just the same and enjoying it too. But instead of splashing around in the tame solely for the fun of it, he began to find an added value in it because of the washings and cleansings it afforded. I feel bad that he's now become intelligent enough to know, like, oh, I'm a poor person. He, like, like it his It would sister, be so nice to be clean. Right, yeah. Yeah, know? like, he understands, like, he, he can only do... He splashes around in the river, because he used to, but also now he does it because it's, like, kind of a way for him to feel a little cleaner. Not feel. And also, I mean, listen, the Matrix was right. Ignorance is bliss. Like, those sisters are, like, <laughs> hap- yep, the yep. happiest pigs in a dirty river. Tom could always find something going on around the Maypole in Cheapside. Uh, at the f- and at the fairs. And now and then, he and the rest of London had a chance to see a military parade when some famous unfortunate was carried prisoner to the Tower, by land or boat. The right. Ta- the Tower of London. Well, you have to take the key and lock her up. Yeah. One summer's day, he saw poor Anne Askew and three men burned at the stake in Smithfield. And God he- damn, that's what was on TV that day! And heard an ex-bishop preach a sermon to them which did not interest him. Yes, Tom's life was varied and pleasant enough on the whole. Do you know who Anne Askew is? Uh, I would love to know. That being said, let me just say this real quick while I, while I don't forget. Yeah. It's crazy that, like, the special events of his day are the Season worst videos on World Star Hip Hop. Yeah. Like, it's snuff movies and, like, mm-hmm. ultra-right, ultra ultra-conservative uh, yeah. yeah. individuals. And, like, that's... They basically watch Fox News five times a year. Yeah. So, Anne Askew... 
the person that he saw be burned at the stake. Oh, it's one of a. It's is one a, of is a real person. It's one of Henry VIII's wives. Um, and it's, I don't think so. What'd she do? And it's, well, maybe I, I I didn't read that about her. I don't think so. You would have um, read it if it was true. I'm wrong. She was a writer, poet, and Protestant martyr who was burned at the stake for heresy under Henry VIII. Ooh, okay, great. And she was so if well, like, and maybe that like he could have burned one of his wives at the stake for heresy. You know what I mean? Well, the Church been. of England now because he was divorcing those wives. Well, he's one of the only women. Uh, one of the only women. I think there were two women ever to have been tortured and burned at the stake at the Tower of London. Whoa! So both she, of them. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. were tortured. Some were burned. Only two were both. Oh, she's so lucky then. Yeah. Um, she was also the first English woman to demand a divorce. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 her. <laughs> yeah, that's her blasphemy. Her crime was a woman wanting to be happy. I don't want happy. to be with my husband. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. 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 Th- yeah. That's the blasphemous act. So shout out to Anna Skew. Shout out to you, Anne. Uh, by and by, Tom's reading and dreaming about princely life wrought such a strong effect upon him that he began to act the prince unconsciously. Yeah, his, he's like playing. He's like playing pretend. His speech and manners became curiously ceremonious and courtly, to the vast admiration and amusement of his intimates. But Tom's influence among these young people began to grow now, day by day, and in time he came to be looked up to by them with a sort of wondering awe as a superior being. He seemed to know so much, and he could do and say such marvelous things, and withal he was so deep and wise. Tom's remarks and Tom's performances were reported by the boys to their elders, and these also presently began to discuss Tom Canty, and to regard him as a most gifted and extraordinary creature. Just because he went to fucking school? Just because not, he... Not even. Because he acts like he's... I understand, but like, this is just because he read a book. He read one book and they're like, this boy is going places. Full-grown people brought their perplexities to Tom for solution and were often astonished at the wit and wisdom of his decisions. So, in fact, he was become a hero to all who knew him except his own family. These only saw nothing in him. I am sensing, and I don't know anything about the man... I'm also feeling that this boy is a little bit of a... Mark Twain stand-in? Yeah, like, he was... This boy is a kid. And I people, was poor, but I yeah. was smart, and people started to look up to me when they figured out they I was smart. They came and they asked me things. I do like the idea of people being like, I put mud on my head, yeah. and then more mud, and then it doesn't yeah. get clean! And then furthermore, but my own family didn't give a shit. Yeah, well, that's true of all yeah. families. Yeah. Listen, listen... You might be Einstein who figured out relativity. You're still Einstein that clogs the toilet yeah. every time you eat latkes. Okay, buddy? Privately, after a while, Tom organized a royal court. He was the prince. His special comrades were guards, chamberlains, equerries, lords and ladies-in-waiting, and the royal family. He plays pretend. I love this. Daily, the mock prince was received with elaborate ceremonials borrowed by Tom from his romantic readings. Daily, the great affairs of the mimic kingdom were discussed in the royal council, and daily, his mimic highness issued decrees to his imaginary armies, navies, and vice royalties. Ooh, I bet he's... Listen, I don't know how old he is, but I bet he's getting one of those chambermaids. Uh, after which... He would go forth in his rags and beg a few farthings, eat his poor crust, take his customary cuffs and abuse, and then stretch himself on his handful of foul straw and resume his empty grandeurs in his dreams. Yo, fuck that dad. That part of and his grandma. daily life is just getting the shit kicked out of him. And still his desire to look just once upon a real prince in the flesh grew upon him, day by day, week by week, until at last it absorbed all other desires and became the one passion of his life. <laughs> What do you want to be, son, when you grow up? Somebody, sees, prince. somebody yeah. sees a prince. I just want to see a prince once, please. One January day on his usual begging tour, he tramped despondently up and down the region around the... Wait, January? What? So now we're in winter? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. One January day. It was just saying, normally, especially in the summer, his life was fine. Okay. Uh, one January day, in his usual begging tour, he tramped despondently up and down the region, roundabout mincing lane in Little East Cheap. Uh, hour after hour, barefooted and cold, looking in at the cook shop windows and longing for the dreadful pork pies and other deadly inventions displayed there. For to him, these were dainties fit for the angels. That is, judging by the smell they were, for it had never been his good luck to own and eat one. Oh, there was all a, he wants to do is own one. He won't even eat the first one. He doesn't one. even know what he, they taste like. I know, right. He just knows that pork is a thing. There was a cold drizzle of rain. The atmosphere was murky. It was a melancholy day. At night, Tom reached home so wet and tired and hungry that it was not possible for his father and grandmother to observe his forlorn condition and not be moved. After their fashion, for, wherefore, they gave him a brisk cuffing at once and sent him to bed. Yeah, they just... They made the beating quick tonight. Yeah, they just assaulted you him You look like a, you had a bad day. I'll just punch you once. Yeah, let me just hit you with my belt a couple of times. For a long time, his pain and hunger and the swearing and fighting going on in the building kept him awake. But at last, his thoughts drifted... That's, a, that's something to think about. It's like when you hear the arguments of other... People like your neighbors and stuff. That what was my... the fuck was that? <laughs> that was my cat jumping to the fridge. Cat, stop ruining the podcast. I don't even know if the microphone picked that up. Maybe not. I heard it. it sounded like a man died. <laughs> David's cat ruined it. Um, but at last, his thoughts drifted away to far romantic lands, and he fell asleep in the company of jeweled and gilded princelings who live in vast palaces and had servants salaming before them mm. or flying to execute their orders. And then, as usual, he dreamed what that he was a princeling himself. Do you know what salaming is? Uh, yeah, you get it on a spicy Italian from a subway. It's a gesture of greeting and respect, usually with a low bow. Oh, okay. Like a... Uh, I was thinking maybe it was like a sultan or something, but that wouldn't... There's the the saying of like, assalamu alaikum or something. Yeah, like that. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry if I totally butchered it. I, you did. I, I hesitated to say it, and I mumbled it because I was afraid yeah, that yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. it Yeah, 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 you got to be way so more I'll, I'll do respect to all people who say that. And then we also learned from our guests that they, when you get real good at it, they're just like, assalamu alaikum. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they say real <laughs> so, fast. So, they, yeah, go listen back like 20 episodes. Go listen to that guy. He's great. I, yeah, I like him a lot. Um, all night long, the glories of his royal estate shone upon him. He moved among great lords and ladies in a blaze of light, breathing perfumes and drinking in delicious music and answering the reverent obeisances of the glittering throng as it parted to make way for him with here a smile and there a nod of his princely head. See, you know what obeisances are? I was just to say we have an obeisance problem in this country. A gesture of deferential respect. Oh, okay, then never mind. We're not very respectful here. <laughs> and when he awoke in the morning and looked upon the wretchedness about him, his dream had had its usual effect. It had intensified the sordidness of his surroundings a thousandfold. Then came bitterness and heartbreak and tears. Oh, every day. I... Hopefully he just dies. Hopefully he dies and he doesn't have to deal with this anymore. Chapter three. Oh, chapter three. Okay. Chapter three is called A Fate at the Crossroads. Okay. Alright. Chapter three. Tom's meeting with the prince. That's like a crossroads. <laughs> That's basically, oh, his dream is going to come true. Wow, we're getting that want right out of the way. Tom got up hungry and sauntered hungry away. But with his thoughts busy with the shadowy splendors of his night's dreams, he wandered here and there in the city, hardly noticing where he was going or what was happening around him. He's just aimlessly wandering. People jostled him and some gave him rough speech, but it was all lost on the musing boy. By and by, he found himself at Temple Bar, the farthest from home he had ever traveled in that direction. He stopped and considered a moment, and then fell into his imaginings again, and passed on outside the walls of London. 
The Strand had ceased to be a country road then, and regarded itself as a street, but by a strained construction, for there was uh, for there was a tolerably compact row of houses on one side of it. There were only some scattered great buildings on the other, these being palaces of rich nobles with ample and beautiful grounds stretching to the river, grounds mm. that are now closely packed with grim acres of brick and stone. Yeah, they're not allowed to go there. Tom discovered Charing Village presently, or Charing Village, I don't know. It's a Charing uh, Village. And, and rested himself at the beautiful cross built there by the, a bereaved king of earlier days, then idled down a quiet, lovely road past the great cardinal's stately palace toward a far more mighty and majestic palace beyond, Westminster. Ooh, he's by the Abbey! Tom stared in a glad wonder at the vast pile of masonry, the wide-spreading wings, the frowning bastions and turrets, the huge stone gateway with its gilded bars and its magnificent array of colossal granite lions, and other, the signs and symbols of English royalty. Was the desire of his soul to be satisfied at last? Here, indeed, was a king's palace. Might he not hope to see a prince now, a prince of flesh and blood, if heaven were willing? Why doesn't he just run away and, like, just stay here? He'll eventually see one. He just has to camp out. At each side of the gilded gate stood a living statue, that is to say, an erect and stately motionless man-at-arms, clad from head to heel in shining steel armor. At a respectful distance were many a country folk and people from the city waiting for any chance glimpse of the royalty that might offer. Splendid carriages with splendid people in them. So this is like a pastime. People yeah. just wait outside and like see people. royalty. Splendid carriages with splendid people in them and splendid servants outside were arriving and departing by several other noble gateways that pierced the royal enclosure. They poop just like you, kid. You don't even know they have problems. Poor little Tom, in his rags, approached and was moving slowly and timidly past the sentinels with a beating heart and rising hope when all at once he caught sight through the golden bars of a spectacle that almost made him shout for joy. Within was a comely boy, tanned and brown, with sturdy outdoor sports and exercises whose clothing was all of lovely silks and satins Ooh. shining with jewels at his hip ah. at his hip was a little jeweled sword and dagger dainty buskins on his feet with red heels and on his head a jaunty crimson cap with drooping plumes fastened with a great sparkling gem and you said he's coming right now <laughs> what did you, he was... he's a comely boy oh okay okay so he looks like he comes <laughs> he's of that age several gorgeous gentlemen stood near his servants without a doubt oh he was a prince a prince a living prince a real prince without the shadow of a question and the prayer of the pauper boy's heart was answered at last a prince a real prince the end oh, no, no, God. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's it that's a uh, santel story this is a, this is a village story this is way more chapter tom's breath came quick and short with excitement his eyes grew big with wonder and delight everything gave way in his mind instantly to one desire that was to get close to the prince and have a good devouring look at him before he knew uh what he was about he had his face against the gate bars the next instant one of the soldiers snatched him rudely away and sent him spinning among the gaping crowd of country gawks and london idlers the soldier said mind thy manners thou young beggar the crowd jeered and laughed Yo, he's already been beat up so much yeah. like he could deal with any blow oh yeah yeah this would the, be nothing the crowd jeered and laughed but the young prince sprang but the young prince sprang to the gate with his face flushed and his eyes flashing with indignation and cried out how darest thou use a poor lad like that how darest thou use the king my father's meanest subject so Open the gates and let him in. Oh shit, he's going into the garden. You should have seen that fickle crowd snatch off their hats then. <gasps> what, he's letting a boy inside, a poor boy? You should have heard them cheer and shout, Long live the Prince of Wales. Long live the Prince of Wales. The soldiers presented arms with their halberds, opened the gates and presented again as the little Prince of Poverty passed in. It's it so fun to think about that. Like, the the, the same fucking pal, right? Like, yeah. these locations. And that they would just like, 
actually use that front lawn. Yeah. Like they, this was yeah. a time when everything... He's not walking about the ground. He's got to do something. He can't walk with these poor people. Yeah. Uh, the little prince of poverty passed in in his fluttering rags. The prince of poverty. I know. To join hands with the prince of limitless plenty. Yeah. Edward Tudor said, Thou lookest hungry and uh, tired and hungry. Thou's been treated ill. Come with me. Well, listen, I, I, I know this is going to turn around at some point. This prince is a very nice cool. young man. Yeah, Everything cool. has been fine. I like him so far, yeah. I feel bad that I know that a thing's going to happen <laughs> and then he's got to go through the shit of it. Half a dozen attendants sprang forward to, I don't know what, interfere, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they were waved aside with a right royal gesture, and they stopped stock still where they were, like so many statues. Edward took Tom to a rich apartment in the palace, which he called his cabinet. By his command, a repast was brought such as Tom had never encountered before except in books. The prince, with princely delicacy and breeding, sent away the servants so that his humble guest might not be embarrassed by their critical presence. Then he sat nearby and asked questions while Tom ate. I guess if you were a servant, you would judge other like other people because like you probably don't have any... These are work. servants, but they're clean. They're dressed nice. I was going to say, they're, they eat every day. They live in the servants' quarters. They sleep in, like, yeah. a, with a roof over yeah. their head. But this like, is, like, a street person. Yeah, this is a person that would never this be in this place. This is a beggar from the street. Right, and also, you don't want another person there. He might take one of your jobs. Yeah. What is thy name, lad? Tom Canty, and it please thee, sir. Tis an odd one. Where dost live? In the city, please thee, sir. Awful court, out of Pudding Lane. I was about to say, by Pudding Lane. Awful court. Truly, tis another odd one. Hast parents? Yeah, kind of. Parents have I, sir, and a grandam likewise that is that is but indifferently precious to me. God I forgive me. I love the expression, grandam. <laughs> a grandam likewise that is but indifferently precious to me. God forgive me if it be offense to say it. Also, twin sisters, Nan and Bet. Uh, then is thy grandam not over kind to thee, I take it? Neither to any other is she, oh, so, so please your worship. Shit. She hath a wicked heart and worketh evil all her days. Does she mistreat thee? Uh, there be times that she stayeth her hand. Only every night when I before I go to bed. There be times that she stayeth her hand, being asleep or overcome with drink. <laughs> but when she hath her judgment clear again, she maketh it up to me with goodly beatings. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> a fierce look came into the little prince's eyes and he cried out, What? Beatings? Oh, indeed, yes. Please you, sir. This is the first time he's ever yeah, heard about yeah. poverty. He had no idea. Beatings, and thou so frail and little. Hark ye, before the night come, shall ye hie her to the tower, to my to uh, the king, my father. And then he's interrupted. Take the key and lock yeah. her up. Uh, in sooth, you forget, sir, her low degree. The tower is for the great alone. She's not we're, even... We're, yeah. <laughs> Yo, find a barn to lock her up in. She doesn't need stone masonry. Hmm, true indeed. I had not thought of that. I will consider of her punishment. Is thy father kind to thee? Nope, he's a piece of shit too! Not more kind... Uh, not more than grammar canty, sir. Fathers be alike, mayhap. Mine hath not a doll's temper. He smiteth with a heavy hand, yet spareth me. He spareth me not always with his tongue, though, sooth to say. How doth thy mother use thee? She's a great lady. I love her a lot. She, she gives is me good, crust sir. of bread. She giveth me neither sorrow nor pain of any sort, and Nan and Bet are like her in this. How old be these? Fifteen, and it please you, sir. Ah, perfect ages for chambermaids. The Lady Elizabeth, my sister, is fourteen. And the Lady Jane Grey, my cousin, is of mine own age, and comely and gracious withal. But my sister, the Lady Mary, with her gloomy mien and 
look you. Do you know what a mien is? Um, uh, a mine? Mien? Mine? It's a person's look. It's oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, Listen, she's, four, she's what, 14? Uh, Lady Mary? I don't know how old Lady she's Mary is. She's evil as fuck. Get yeah. off her back. With her gloomy mien and look you, do thy sisters forbid their servants to smile, lest the sin destroy their souls? No, I don't think so. They? Uh, dost think, sir, that they have servants? The little prince contemplated the little pauper gravely a moment, and then said, And prithee, why not? Who helpeth them undress at night? Who attireth them when they rise? Oh, they basically wear boxes. None, sir. Wouldst have them take off their garment to sleep without, like the beasts? <laughs> yeah. Their garment? Have they but one? Oh, boy. What a class! What a- he just learned <laughs> all the things! He had no idea how uh, poor people Good, were. your worship. What would they do more? Uh, what would they do with more? Truly, they have not two bodies each. Oh, come on, bro. It is a quaint and marvelous thought. Thy pardon, I had not meant to laugh, but thy good nan and thy bet shall have their raiment and lackeys enow, and that soon, too. My cofferer shall look to it. No, thank me not, tis nothing. Thou speakest well, that has an easy grace in it. Art learned? Yes, I am. I know not if I am or not, sir. The good priest that is called Father Andrew taught me of his kindness from his books. Right, so he doesn't... I don't know if I'm taught anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm educated. I know some dragon stories. Knowst thou the Latin? But scantly, sir, I doubt. Learn it, lad. Tis hard only at first. The Greek is harder, but neither nor, uh, but neither these nor any tongues else, I think, are hard to the Lady Elizabeth and my cousin. <laughs> Thou those should ones. hear those damsels of it, or at it, but tell me of thy awful court. Yo, that is like secret seventh grade girl pig Latin. Yeah. If you're like, no, they're, like regular fucking Latin, yeah. like literally. Or like they're really good at Greek. They speak Greek. Yeah, and yeah. basically they just can't talk shit in front of like priests, yeah. but like everybody else is fair. Did you ever have like the teenage girls uh, your age that were like, they did like the double speak? Yeah, they're like, it again, gotta yeah, get, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what I. I thought pig Latin was. No, yeah, whatever yeah, that no. bullshit is. Yeah. Uh, hast thou a pleasant life there? In truth, yes, so please you, sir, save when one is hungry. Uh, there be Punch and Judy shows and monkeys. Oh, such antic creatures. And monkeys. So, <laughs> what are the monkeys doing? What are these monkeys? And so bravely dressed. And there be plays wherein they... Uh, they that play do shout and fight till all are slain, and tis so fine to see, and costeth but a farthing. Albeit, tis main hard to get the farthing, please your worship. Oh, jeez. I don't want to even know what childhood traumas he does to get it. Tell me more. We lads of awful court do strive against each other with the cudgel, like to fashion of the prentices sometimes. They like play. They like to fight and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the prince's eyes flashed. Said he, Mary, that I would not miss. Uh, that would not I mislike. Tell me more. He wants to, like, go and bite yeah, these gutter that, boys. That's so exciting. What do you mean you get to fight them? We strive in races, sir, to see who of us shall be fleetest. That I would like also. Speak on. He just wants to be a kid. He just wants to, like, run around and wrestle. In summer, sir, we wade and swim in the canals and in the river, and each doth duck his neighbor and splatter him with water and dive and shout and tumble and... Twould be worth my father's kingdom but to enjoy it once. He's never got to go to a water park! Prithee, go on. We dance and sing about the Maypole and Cheapside. We play in the sand, each covering his neighbor up, and times we make mud pastry. Oh, the lovely mud. Oh, mud pastries, how good they are! It hath not its like for delightfulness in all the world. 
We do fairly wallow in the mud, sir, saving your worship's presence. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll excuse uh, me. We, we are mud to the full, sorry. <laughs> oh, prithee, say no more. Tis glorious. Mud is a real rich man. Adam Kroll has this thing, rich man, poor man. Yeah. Mud is a very, like, gutter person thing, but yeah. also, like, a, we use the fanciest mud yeah, yeah. to put everything in our face. There's yeah. minerals in it from uh, <laughs> Mount Tiakaka. Uh, uh, if that I could but clothe me in raiment like to thine, and strip my feet and revel in the mud once, just once, with none to rebuke me or forbid. He can just go in the backyard and do this! Me seemeth I could forego the crown. He would give up his crown. <gasps> just to have it once. He's gonna willingly trade places with him. And if that I could clothe me once, sweet sir, as thou art clad, just once. Oh ho, wouldst like it? Then so it shall be. Doff thy rags and don these splendors, lad. It is a brief happiness, but it will be not less keen for that. We will have it while we may and change again before any come to molest. This is not a good idea. So switch clothes. I get what's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to get molested by his father. Oh, boy. Not molest like, like sexual, like, beat like get beat up. Yeah, and then grandma's going to molest him. Again, not in a sexual <laughs> way, but like with her fists. A few minutes later, the little prince of Wales was garlanded with Tom's fluttering odds and ends, uh, and the little prince of Popperdom was tricked out into the gaudy plumage of royalty. Yo, let me trick your ride. The two went and stood side by side before a great mirror, and lo, a miracle. There did not seem to have been any change made. They look the same. They stared at each other, and then at the glass, and then at each other again, and then, at last, puzzled, the princeling said, What dost thou make of this? Ah, good, your worship, require me not to answer. It is not meet that one of my degrees should utter the thing. Then I will utter it. Thou hast the same hair, the same eyes, <laughs> the same voice and manner, the same form and stature, the same face and countenance that I bear. Fared we forth naked, there is none could say which was you and which was the Prince of Wales. Except they're naked. Is one of like a big dick? What do like you mean? If, if we went out naked, no one could tell who was who. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around, but the only way you could tell them <laughs> to, if you take off our pants, you will still see. <laughs> and now that I am clothed as thou art worth clothed, it seemeth I would be able to, uh, I should be able the more nearly to feel as thou didst when the brute soldier. Hark ye. Is not this a bruise on your hand? Yeah, Also, oh, now he's got to get a bruise. Yes, but it is a slight thing, and your worship knoweth that the poor man at arms, peace. It was a shameful thing and a cruel, cried the little prince, stamping his bare foot. If the king stir not a step till I come again, it is a command. In a moment he had snatched up and put away the article of national importance that lay upon a table, and was out at the door and flying through the palace grounds in his bannered rags. A hot He's face gotta, and glowing eyes. He's gotta change eyes. clothes back! As soon as he reached the great gate, he seized the bars and tried to shake them, shouting, Open! Unbar the gates! The soldier that had maltreated Tom obeyed promptly, and as the prince burst through the portal, half smothered with royal wrath, the soldier fetched him a sounding box on the ear that sent him whirling to the roadway and said, uh, Take that, thou biggest spawn! Getting hit on the ear sucks! For what thou gotst me from his highness! The crowd roared with laughter. The prince picked himself out of the mud and made fiercely at the sentry, shouting, I am the prince of Wales. My person is sacred, and thou shalt hang for laying thy hand on <laughs> Look at that little poor boy who thinks he's a rich person. Oh, and the other poor boy acted like a rich guy, so now people are going to know what he's... They're going to think he's actually <laughs> the poor boy. The soldier brought his halberd to a president-at-arms and said mockingly, I salute your gracious highness. Then, <laughs> then angrily, be off, thou crazy rubbish. 
Here, the jeering crowd closed around the poor little prince and hustled him far down the road, hooting him and shouting, Way for his royal highness! Way for the Prince of Wales! Yeah, they're all laughing at him because they think he's a pauper boy. Chapter 4. Uh, uh, what's the name of the prince again? Uh, Edward. Uh, uh, uh Edward... Edward meets the real world. Okay, all right. It's got to be like Edward learns the way of the world. Are you ready? Chapter four, the prince's troubles begin. Okay. okay. (laughs) It's pretty close. Yeah, Yeah, pretty close. After hours of persistent pursuit and persecution, the little prince was at last deserted by the rabble and left to himself. At lo- as long as he had been able to rage against the mob and threaten it royally and royally utter commands that were good stuff to laugh at, he was very entertaining. But when weariness finally touched, forced him to be silent, he was no longer of use to his tormentors, and they sought amusement elsewhere. Yeah, he's not fun anymore yeah. to make fun of. He looked about him now, but could not recognize the locality. He was within the city of London. That was all he knew. He moved on aimlessly, and in a little while, the houses thinned, and the passers-by were infrequent. He bathed his bleeding feet in the brook, which flowed uh, then where Farringdon Street now is. He doesn't have poor people feet yet. He's still got them rich, dainty toes. Rested a few moments, then passed on. Presently came upon a great space with only a few scattered houses in it and a prodigious church. He recognized this church. Scaffoldings were about everywhere and swarms of workmen, for it was undergoing elaborate repairs. The prince took heart at once. He felt that his troubles were at an end now. He said to himself, It is the ancient Greyfriars Church, which the king, my father, hath taken from the monks and given for a home forever for poor and forsaken children, and new named it Christ's Church. Right gladly they will serve the son of him who hath done so generously by them, and more than that, uh, and the more that that son is himself as poor and as forlorn, man, that was hard, uh, and as forlorn as any that shall be sheltered here this day or ever shall be. He went to the poorhouse. He went to the orphanage. He went to the poorhouse that his dad founded. Yeah, so he's going to show up and go, hey, I'm and the prince. And he's poor and forlorn at the moment right now anyway, so like, it's a double plus. Listen, like, it works he's going to find out how shitty a poorhouse is. He was soon in the midst of a crowd of boys who were running, jumping, playing at ball and leapfrog, and otherwise disporting themselves, and right noisily, too. They were all dressed alike, and in the fashion uh, which in that day prevailed among serving men and apprentices. That is to say, each had on the crown of his head a flat black cap about the size of a saucer, which was not useful as a covering, uh, it being of such scanty dimensions. Neither was it ornamental. Uh, From beneath it the hair fell, unparted, to the middle of the forehead. Uh, so what did you wear it for then? And was cropped straight around, a clerical band at the neck, and blue gown that fitted closely and hung as low as the knees or lower. Full sleeves, a broad red belt, bright yellow stockings guarded above the knees, low shoes with large metal buckles. It was a sufficiently ugly costume. Yeah, it's like all the like odds and ends at the dress shop. The boys stopped their play and flocked about the prince, who said with a native dignity, Good lads, say to your master that Edward, Prince of Wales, desireth speech with him. Ha! A great shout went up at this, and one rude fellow said, Mary, art thou, art thou his grace's messenger, beggar? Yeah, I take that. The prince's face flushed with anger, and his ready hand flew to his hip, but there was nothing there. There was a storm of laughter. He, he would have sword. murdered this boy! He would have straight up murdered him in blood if he could. And one boy said, Didst mark that? He fancied he had a sword. Be like he is the prince himself. But he's not the prince, he's a poor kid. This sally brought more laughter. Poor Edward drew himself up proudly and said, I am the prince, and it and and it ill beseemeth you that 
feed upon the king my father's bounty to use me so. If he ever gets that sword back, he's gonna murder all these poor people and no one's gonna say he was in the wrong. This was vastly enjoyed, and as the laughter testified, <laughs> the youth who had first spoken shouted to his comrades, Ho, swine, slaves, pensioners of his grace's princely father, where be your manners? Down on your marrow bones, all of ye, and do reverence to his kingly port and royal ages. Ha! With boisterous mirth, they dropped on their knees in a body and did mock homage to their prey. Uh, the prince spurned the nearest boy with his foot and said fiercely, Take thou that, till morrow come and I build thee a gibbet. Ew, gross. He put blood all over him. Do you know what a gibbet is? No! Is it like a baboon? It's a gallows. Oh, okay. He's gonna hang that kid tomorrow. Oh, I wonder if some weird, like, uh, British slang, like, you know, like... A gibbet? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be get gone, you're gonna be a gibbet. Yeah, it's like like a cockney thing? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Ah, but this was not a joke. This was going beyond fun. The laughter ceased on the instant, and fury took its place. A dozen shouted, Hail him forth! To the horse pond! To the horse pond! Where be the dogs? Ho there, lion! Ho, fangs! What are they gonna do with the dogs? Then followed such a thing as England had never seen before. The sacred person of the heir to the throne rudely buffeted by plebeian hands and set upon and torn by dogs. Oh no! That's (laughs) awful! Also, I bet the British family reads this to those boys to be like, yo, you never... You will never dress like a poor person. You never leave this place. Yeah. You will always let them know what is going on. As night drew close that day, the prince found himself far down in the close-built portion of the city. His body was bruised, his hands were bleeding, and his rags were all besmirched with mud. Yeah, he was attacked by dogs! He wandered on and on and grew more and more bewildered and so tired and faint he could hardly drag one foot after the other. He had ceased to ask questions of anyone, since they brought only insult instead of information. Stop saying you're the prince! He kept muttering to himself, Awful court. That is the name. If I can but find it before my strength is wholly spent and I drop, then I am saved. For his people will take me to the palace and prove that I am none of theirs, but the true prince, and I shall have mine own again. And now then his mind reverted to his treatment by those rude Christ hospital boys, and he said, When I am king, they shall not have bread and shelter only, but also teachings out of books. For a belly full, uh, for a full belly is little worth where the mind is starved and the heart. I will keep this diligently in my remembrance, that this day's lesson be not lost upon me, and my people suffer thereby. For learning softeneth the heart and breedeth gentleness and charity. Okay, I get it, Mark Twain. I understand. <laughs> if you only educate people, they will become kinder. Little did does he know that he's going to get the shit kicked out of him as soon as he shows up to pudding pudding place. Yeah. Um. Fuck. It'll come back to me. Was it what? What part was it? Was it that he thinks he's gonna? They're gonna oh. take him back. No, not that part. This is a fictional story. Yes. Because I feel like in real life, every time a situation happens like this, when he becomes king, he's like. Fuck all you poor people! <laughs> you don't like any of this? Yeah. I'm shutting it all yeah. down. I mean, I do like the lesson learned here. This is why I, I love it. This but is why it I feels like this character. Like, He's like, okay, man, you you have this terrible thing happen to you, and the people who did it to you, you understand that it's, they're just ignorant and they're in poverty, and this is what they do. He's a very enlightened young man, and I feel like he's way more enlightened than anybody else. Yeah. Except maybe our other poor kid who's thinking about dragons. The lights began to twinkle. It came on to rain. The wind rose, and a raw and gusty night set in. The houseless prince, the homeless heir to the throne to the throne of England, still moved on, drifting deeper into the maze of squalid alleys where the swarming hives of poverty and misery were massed together. Suddenly, a great drunken ruffian collared him and said. Out to this time of night again, and hast not brought a farthing home, I warrant me. 
if it be so, and I do not break all the bones in thy lean body, then I am not John Canty, but some other. That's his dad! The prince twisted himself loose, unconsciously brushed his profane shoulder, and eagerly said, Oh, art his father truly? Sweet heaven, grant it be so. Then wilt thou fetch him away and restore me? Yo, bro, he's gonna kick you up. His father? I not now. I know not what thou meanst, but I know I am thy father, and thou shalt soon have cause to. Oh, jest not, palter not, delay not. I am worn. I am wounded. I can bear no more. Take me to the king, my father, and he will make thee rich beyond my, thy wildest dreams. Believe me, man. Believe me. I speak no lie, but only the truth. Put forth thy hand and save me. I am indeed the Prince of Wales. He's gonna get hit so hard, he's gonna see stars. The man stared down, stupefied, upon the lad, and then shook his head and muttered, Gone stark mad as any Tom O'Bedlam. Then collared him once more and said with a coarse laugh and an oath, But mad or no mad, I and thy grammar canty will soon find where the soft places in thy bones lie, or I, I am no true man. I just picture a hard cut, like a Tarantino movie, yeah. of them just being like, boom, boom, boom. With this, he dragged the frantic and struggling prince away and disappeared up a front court, followed by a delighted and noisy swarm of human vermin. Ugh, okay, yeah, the rat people. Chapter five. Okay, chapter five. Uh, the beating of a lifetime comes to mind. Uh, maybe, oh, well, uh, I, I, no, I think we're gonna go back to the other kid, and it's gonna, this chapter's called The Best Fucking Meal in the World. <laughs> we are so good at knowing stories. What is it? Chapter five, Tom as a Patrician. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, we're doing one yep, and one, yep. one and one. Tom Canty, left alone in the prince's cabin. So this is like, all right, we've seen all that happen now. Now rewind back to when the prince right, left. Right, right, right. And he was told, don't leave this room. Tom Canty, left alone in the prince's cabinet, made good use of his opportunity. He turned himself this way and that before the great mirror, admiring his finery, and then walked away. Look how pretty I look. Imitating the prince's high-bred carriage and still observing results in the glass. Then uh, Next, he drew the beautiful sword and bowed, kissing the blade and laying it across his breast as he had seen a noble knight do by way of salute to the the lieutenant of the tower. That sword, sword is the cleanest thing he's ever kissed. Five or six weeks before, when delivering the great lords of Norfolk and Surrey into the hands of captivity, Tom played with the jeweled dagger that hung upon his thigh and examined the costly and exquisite ornaments of the room. He tried each of the sumptuous chairs and thought how proud he would be if the awful court heard could only peep in and see him in his grandeur. He wondered if he, if they would believe the marvelous tale he should tell when he got they home. They wouldn't. Or if they should shake their heads and say his overtaxed imagination had at last upset his reason. The second one. The second one. At the end of half an hour, it suddenly occurred to him that the prince was gone for a long time. A real long time. Then right away, he began to feel lonely. Very soon, he fell to listening and longing and ceased to toy with the pretty things around him. He grew uneasy, then restless, then distressed. Suppose someone should come in and catch him in the prince's clothes, and the prince not there to explain. Might they not hang him at once and inquire as to his case afterwards? He had heard that the great were prompt about small matters. His fear... That's that's a crazy sentence. The, well, listen. He had heard that the great... Yeah. Meaning the rich... Yeah. ...were prompt about small matters. Ah, they just make a decision real quick when it's something lowly like... How to punish a poor person. I thought it meant, like, they freak out over little things. Oh, maybe it's that, too. I, th I thought it was, like... Maybe it is. Maybe that's what? what it means. Your hair is not combed? Fifty lashes! You know what? That, that very possibly might be what that means. Um, 
His fear rose higher and higher, and the trembling he softly opened the door to the antechamber, resolved to fly and seek the prince, and, through him, protection and release. Six gorgeous gentlemen servants and two young pages of high degree clothed Oh, hello, gorgeous gentlemen servants. Clothed like butterflies, sprang to their feet and bowed low before him. He stepped quickly back and shut the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he, he has too much power. He said, oh, they mock me. They will go and tell. Oh, why came I here and cast away my life? He walked up and down the floor, filled with nameless fears, listening and starting at every trifling sound. Presently, the door swung open, and a silken page said... The Lady Jane Grey! The door closed, and a sweet young girl, richly clad, bounded towards him. But she stopped suddenly and said in a distressed voice, Oh, what aileth thee, my lord? Tom's breath was nearly failing him, but he made a shift to stammer out, Ah, be merciful thou! In sooth I am no lord, but only poor Tom Canty of awful court in the city. Prithee, let me see the prince, and he will of his grace restore me to my rags, and let me hence unhurt. Oh, be thou merciful, and save me! Ha! <laughs> You're just a prince boy. Why are you playing like this? By this time, the boy was on his knees and su- uh, and supplicanting with his eyes and uplifted hands as well as with his tongue. The young girl seemed horror stricken. Yeah. She cried out, "Oh my lord, on my on thy knees and to me." Yeah. And she's just a lady. She, and then she fled away in fright, and Tom, smitten with despair, sank down, murmuring, "There is no hope. There is no hope. Now they will come and take me." Whilst he lay there, benumbed with terror, dreadful tidings were speeding through the palace. The whisper, for it was whispered always, flew from menial to menial, from lord to lady, down all along the corridors, from story to story, from saloon to saloon. The prince hath gone mad. The prince hath gone mad. Yeah, okay. She's she's ringing the alarm bells. Every saloon, every marble hall, had its groups of glittering lords and ladies and other groups of dazzling lesser folk, talking earnestly to each other in whispers, and had every face had in it dismay. As a kid's story, I like the idea of a bunch of adults playing marbles. Yes. I'm sure it's not marbles, but I like the idea of them all... Every marble hall. Yeah, they're all on floor. It's a hall made out of marbles. No, they're playing marbles on the floor, and they're all like, what the kid? Presently, a splendid official came marching by these groups, making a solemn proclamation. In the name of the king, let none list to this false and foolish matter upon pain of death. Nor discuss the same, nor carry it abroad in the name of the king. Yeah, we cannot let other countries know that the prince is fucking insane. Do not talk about the king, the prince going mad. That's pretty true, because in American Revolution, right, King George was batshit crazy, and they kept that shit locked down. The whispering ceased as suddenly as if the whispers had been stricken dumb. Soon there was a general buzz along the corridor of, The prince! See, the prince comes! Poor Tom came slowly walking past the low-bowing groups, trying to bow in return, and meekly gazing upon his strange surroundings with bewildered and pathetic eyes. Great nobles walked upon each side of him, making him lean upon them and so steady his steps. Behind him followed the court physicians and some servants. Presently, Tom found himself in a noble apartment of the palace and heard the door close behind him. Around him stood those who had come with him. Before him, at a little distance, reclined a very large and a very fat man with wide, pulpy face and That's a, your dad. That's your new dad. stern expression. Think how difficult walking is in those buckled shoes. Like, he's never worn shoes that he's like, clip-clop, clip-clop. His large head was very gray, and his whiskers, which he wore only around his face like a frame, were gray also. His clothing was of rich stuff, but old and slightly frayed in places. One of his swollen legs had a pillow under it and was wrapped in bandages. There was silence now, and there was no head there but uh, was bent in reverence, except this man's. The stern-countenanced invalid was the dread King Henry VIII. Bum, bum, bum! He said, and his face grew gentle as he began to speak. 
How now, my lord Edward, my prince? How now, brown cow? Hast been minded to cozen me, the good king, thy father, who loveth thee, and kindly useth thee, with a sorry jest? Poor Tom was listening, as well as his day's faculties would let him, to the beginning of his speech. But when the words, me, the good king, fell upon his ear, his face blanched, and he dropped as instantly upon his knees as if a shot had been uh, had brought him there. Oh, please, Lord, take mercy on me! Lifting up his hands, he exclaimed, Thou the king? Then I am undone indeed! This speech seemed to stun the king. His eyes wandered from face to face aimlessly. Then... <laughs> Just look here, brother! Anybody? Anybody? Um... Uh, wait, where's the He's scanning the crowd. Uh, uh, and then rested, bewildered, upon the boy before him. And then he said in a tone of deep disappointment, a tone I know very well. <laughs> yeah, the father's tone. <laughs> father's disappointment? <sighs> Alack. David, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> God damn it. It's just not right, Dave. David. It's just not right. There's a lot of choices. That's the exact cadence he says it There's with. There's a lot of choices we make. Oh my and God. you just make <laughs> the worst choices. <laughs> It's just, you lack discipline. <laughs> Alright, real things. That's real therapy David, talk right there. The churches will always walk in Alright, alright. These are off air This is real stuff. <laughs> oh, it's getting right. real now. Tom was assisted to his... I just literally got very warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the disappointment raining down on you. It feels like acid rain. That's the feeling of shame. Yeah. Uh, Tom was assisted to his feet and approached the majesty of England, humble and trembling. Uh, oh no, I, sk- I, sk- I skipped past what he says in disappointment. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, I was going to say, but it is, <laughs> he's just, oh, he just I feels the I, shame, I, I couldn't bring myself, okay. Yeah, so okay. then he real. said in a tone of deep disappointment, Alack, I had believed the rumor disproportioned to the truth, but I fear tis not so. He breathed a heavy sigh and said in a gentle voice, It is so. Come to thy father, child, thou art not well. Yeah, he's, he's figuring it out, he's a crazy boy. Tom was assisted to, assisted to his feet and approached the majesty of England, humble and trembling. There it is. Yeah. The king took the frightened face between his hands and gazed earnestly and lovingly into it a while, as if seeking some grateful sign of returning reason there, and then pressed the curly head against his breast and patted it tenderly and said oh it is you peter (laughs) (laughs) presently he said dost not know dost not know thy father child break not mine old heart say thou knowst me thou dost know me dost thou not yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I know know, i know it's it's probably yay it's y-e-a it's probably yay but it's yeah i'm gonna say yeah yeah you're the king of england yeah Thou art dread lord the king, whom God dread lord! Yeah, dread lord the king. <laughs> true, true, that is well. Be comforted. Tremble not so. There is none here who would hurt thee. There is none here but loves thee. Thou art better now. Thy ill dream passeth. Is not so? Thou wilt not miscall thyself again, as they sound... As they say thou didst a little while ago. You're not crazy. Everything's fine. Just forget all this daydream. Go back to being the prince, okay? I pray thee of thy grace, believe me. But I did speak the truth, most dread lord. For I am the meanest among thy subjects, being a pauper born. And tis by a sore mischance and accident I am here. Albeit I was therein nothing blameful. I am but young to die, and thou canst save me with one little word. Oh, speak it, sir. Die? Talk not so, sweet prince. Peace, peace to thy troubled heart. Thou shalt not die. Tom dropped to his knees with a glad cry. 
God requite thy mercy, O my king, and save thee long to bless thy land. Then springing up, he turned a joyful face toward two lords in waiting and exclaimed, Thou hurts it, I'm not to die. The king hath said it. I'm not going to die, okay? Everyone heard it, okay? There was no movement, save all that bowed with grave respect, but no one spoke. He hesitated, a little confused, and then turned timidly toward the king, saying, I may go now? Yes, you live here. <laughs> you can go. Go? Surely, if thou desirest, but why not tarry yet a little? Whither wouldst go? Tom dropped his eyes and answered humbly, Peradventure I mistook, but I did think me free, and so was moved to seek again the kennel where I was born and bred to misery, which yet which harboreth my mother and my sisters, and so is home to me. Whereas these pomps and splendors whereunto I'm not used to, oh, please you, sir, to let me go. The king was silent and thoughtful a while, and his... God damn it, he's still crazy. His face betrayed a growing distress and uneasiness. Presently, he said, with something of hope in his voice, Perchance he is but mad upon this one strain, and hath his wits unmarred and touches other matter. God send it may be so. We will make trial. Basically, maybe he's just crazy about this, but otherwise his brain is fine. Yeah, he's, he's fine. He's just like, he's a little confused right now. Then he asked Tom a question in Latin, and Tom answered him lamely in the same tongue. Because he knows a little Latin! The lords and doctors manifested their gratification also. Okay, he can speak Latin, everything's the, fine. The king said, "'Twas not according to his schooling and ability, but showeth that his mind is but diseased, not stricken fatally. Uh, how say you, sir? The, the physician addressed... This is the highest matter of state going on in this room right oh, now. Oh, yeah. This is like, super important. This is super important. Is, Everyone... he, cra is he crazy like he, his brain like his brain is dead? Yeah, is he, like, is he, is he like broken? Or is he just a little weird? Right. We can deal with it. We can marry him off if he's a little or, weird, okay? Or is this going to be a passing madness? Listen, that, yeah. we can deal with passing madness. We just got to keep this fucking thing called England together. The physician addressed bowed low and replied, It jumpeth with my own conviction, sir, that thou hast divined aright. The king looked pleased with his encouragement, coming as it did from so excellent authority, and continued with good heart. All right, that okay. guy's a doctor. Doc but, yes, but the doctor is talking to the king who will kill him if he says yeah, something yeah, he okay, look. That's fine. Doctor says it's good. <laughs> now mark ye all, we will try him further. He put a question to Tom in French. Tom stood silent a moment, embarrassed by having so many eyes centered upon him, and then said diffidently, We? <laughs> and then we, okay, that if we had been writing it, he'd say that, and then be like, Oh, oh thank God. God, 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 God. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, uh, I have no knowledge of this tongue, so please your majesty. The king fell back upon his couch. <sighs> the attendants I've been talking French to him since he was four. The attendants flew to his assistance, but he put them aside and said, Trouble me not. It is nothing but scurvy faintness. Raise me. There, there, tis sufficient. Come hither, child. Rest thy poor troubled head upon thy father's heart, and be at peace. Thou'lt soon be well. Tis but a passing fantasy. Fear thou not. Thou'lt soon be well. He then turned toward his company. His gentle manner changed, and baleful lightnings began to play from his eyes. I'm sorry. Baleful lightnings began to play from Ooh, his eyes. Ooh, he's serious with these eyes. He said, list ye all. This, my son, is mad, but it is not permanent. Overstudy hath done this, and somewhat too much of confinement. Away his books and teachers, and see ye to it. He's just been studying too much. There's too much knowledge in there. He's going a little bit nuts. Pleasure him with sports. Beguile him in wholesome ways, so that his health come again. He raised himself higher still, and went on with energy. He Remember, he can't, he can't stand, is, so he's like raising himself yeah, in his chair. And this is also... 
like a little boy's dream. No school, <laughs> just sweets, cakes, and things that make him happy. He is mad, but he is my son and England's heir, and mad or sane, still shall he reign. Oh, whoa! He's king, bro! And hear ye further, and proclaim it, whoso speaketh this... Speaketh of this, his distemper worketh against the peace and order of these realms, and shall to the gallows. You will die if you speak of this. This is going to happen. Everything's fine. And now, the thing we can all agree when we get really bad news, this is how we handle it. Give me to drink. I burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sorrow sappeth my strength. There, take away the cup. Support me. There, that is well. I meant, this is all like him talking, so like imagine the scene playing out as he's talking. Is he Support me. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is he holding the kid's head to his chest right now? No, I think so. I think maybe. I, I, I also picture him saying all these things and then turning back to him being like, Freyra. Yeah, yeah. Remember, he had like said Freyra. something really gently to the kid and yeah. then turned to everyone else and was like, all right, listen up, motherfucker. He's the king. Everything's fine. Crazy or not, this kid's going to be king because yeah. he's my son. I fucking made him. Yeah. Um, there, that as well. Mad is he? Were he a thousand times mad, yet he is the Prince of Wales, and I, the king, will confirm it. Isn't this nepotism at its worst? Isn't yes. this the problem yes. with all of this? This very morrow shall he be installed in his princely dignity in due and ancient form. Take instant order for it, my lord Hertford. And one of the nobles knelt at the royal couch and said, The king's majesty knoweth that the hereditary great marshal of England lieth attainted in the tower. It were not meant that one attainted peace. Insult not mine ears with his hated name. Is this man to live forever? Am I to be balked of my will? Is the prince to tarry uninstalled because, forsooth... Sorry, my cat is almost walking on the keyboard. God damn it, ruin, cat. You'll break everything. Ruin you the ruined the last right, laptop, right. remember? Yeah. I mean, no, stop going towards Get the... away from there. We're so close to the end. We literally are. Now he, what he wants is to be on the paper. Now the cat's sniffing the puppers. Little boy, get out of here. No, the puppers can be there. I know, but they're going to fight each other. It's going to be like a, a scene All right. from an animal documentary. Okay, so before the I... The cat's back by the keyboard! Oh, man. That was so scary. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, um... David's cat ruined it! The king okay. is yelling so, at so everyone. the king yells at everyone and says, basically, if he were a thousand times as crazy as this, he's still going to be the king. In fact... Tomorrow, we're going to install upon him his princely stature and duties. Basically, we're going to, like, set this in stone legally tomorrow. They're going to do his, like, uh... Almost his, like a pre-coronation. His English bar mitzvah. Yeah. To which, uh, Lord Hertford then said... Because he tells Hertford to, like, prepare that. Mm -hmm. So Hertford basically goes, like, Oh, but you know that the hereditary great marshal of England is in the tower? Like, the guy who currently holds that title, I think, is currently imprisoned in the tower. Which is one of the Which means we can't have another person with that title. I think it's one of his bastards. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, Henry VIII says, Peace, insult not mine ears with the hated name. Is this man to live forever? Am I to be balked of my will? Is the prince to tarry uninstalled? Because, forsooth, the realm lacketh an earl marshal free of treasonable taint to invest him with honors? Are you just going to cancel my son because I have another son that I don't love in a tower? No, by the splendor of God, warn thy my parliament. God damn it, cat. Cat, you are ruining our seriously, fucking seriously, podcast. He's getting so close to I need to have my dreams come true. <laughs> I just want to finish this. All right. No, by the splendor of God, warn my parliament to bring me Norfolk's doom before the sun rise again, uh, else shall they answer for it grievously. Lord Hertford said, the king's will is law, and rising, returned to his former place. Oh boy. 
gradually. That means a guy is going to be executed for this kid who's just like, yeah. no, just send me home. Yeah, and they're like, no, 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 no. This is serious time. Gradually, the wrath faded out of the old king's face, and he said, Kiss me, my prince. There, what fearest thou? Am I not thy loving father? Thou art good to me that I... Uh, thou art good to me that am unworthy, O mighty and gracious lord, that in truth I know, but... But... It grieveth me to think of him that is to die, and, ah, tis like thee, tis like thee. Always thinking about other people, I just like my yep. son. I know thy heart is still the same, even though thy mind hath suffered hurt, for thou wert ever of a gentle spirit. But this duke standeth between thee and thine honors. I will have, an, uh, I will have another in his stead that shall bring no taint to this great office. Comfort thee, my prince. Trouble not thy poor head with this matter. To be fair... Maybe, maybe this guy is supposed to be the one who does the ceremony whatever the case was yeah. this guy was going to be killed no matter what it just seems like or maybe they're well, they wait... deciding to do it now because they want to install this, this right but like title on the prince listen and they want to install the title on the prince because they think he's going mad listen i i get it i i, I feel bad for this guy but like this guy was going to die horribly anyway yeah, okay yeah. kid like don't feel don't don't worry your little head well then listen to what the boy says frere jacques <laughs> But is it not I that speed him hence, my liege? How long might he not live but for me? He gets it. He, he, he understands it. Yeah, yeah. If I weren't here, you'd just be letting him sit in the yeah, tower. Yeah, he would just be hanging out there doing nothing. Take no thought of him, my prince. He is not worthy. Kiss me once again and go to thy trifles and amusements, for my malady distresseth me. I am aweary and would rest. Go with thine uncle Hertford and thy people, and come again when my body is refreshed. Tom, heavy-hearted, was conducted from his presence, for this last sentence was a death blow to the hope that he had cherished that now he would be set free. Once more, he heard the buzz of low voices exclaiming, The prince! The prince comes! His spirit sank lower and lower as he moved between the glittering files of bowing courtiers, for he recognized that he was indeed a captive now, and might remain forever shut up in this gilded cage, a forlorn and friendless prince, except How God. awful it would be to be a prince! Except God, in his mercy, take pity on him and set him free. And... Turn where he would, he seemed to see floating in the air the severed head and remembered the face of the great Duke of Norfolk, uh, the eyes fixed on him reproachfully. His, own, his old dreams had been so pleasant, but this reality was so dreary. It's, I can't, all right. To be continued. Yeah, I understand. He's, it's, he's plagued by the, the person that is going to die. I know, too. and he also feels like he's going to be killed once everyone finds out. Yes, like, absolutely. There's also a weird, it's interesting... But now he also thinks he's going to be stuck here forever, and no one will even believe him anyway. And it's crazy the indoctrination of the social hierarchy that's in him. Of he being is like, sure I'm not supposed to be here. Yes. The God does not like this. Just being in the presence of the king and not having immediately bowed means he should be beheaded right now. Right, you know? and also, I hope the real prince finds some helpers. I hope someone takes pity on him. He's going to get <laughs> in the He's going to get a beating he's never had before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, let's, go, right. let's go to lessons. Let's do it. Lessons. David, I have no lessons for you. None? I want to save, I feel like there are big lessons. In fact, I don't even know what I would take away from this. Like, like nothing from this at all. I, I mean, I, sometimes you gotta lie. Like, they just keep, <laughs> like, they just keep telling the truth and everyone keeps kicking the shit out of them. Um, if I, the leader of your country is crazy, don't tell anybody. Don't just keep it just a secret. Pretend like it's normal. That's a great. That doesn't apply to that's today. A great, that's a great lesson. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 there's like there's there's like little lessons. I don't know. It feels like it's in progress, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it all feels like I'm gonna learn other things because like 
I, I don't want to say like listen to your parents. Because... It could be like maybe this is a very like uh, uh, I don't really like the way that this plays out, but like. You know, take stock of the good things in your life. Yeah, right? okay. Like, this kid is poor, but, like, he's still, to himself, he's like, ah, I live a good life. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess a let, or a takeaway from this is, like, um... Appreciate... Appreciate what you have. Yeah. Because now that they're in the other person's shoes, he hates it. Right. He just wants to go back to his, uh, right. his ring and around the And obviously these. we're learning that the grass isn't always greener kind yeah, of uh-huh, lesson, uh-huh. you know? Um, I learned that uh, a good lesson from this is, you know, you gotta... Eat healthy and get some exercise. You don't want to be eat only crust that your mom doesn't eat. Yeah. Because oh she... no no, I was talking about the king. You'll be oh. a big fat dude. You gotta like oh. get a little exercise in there, or you won't <laughs> be able to get up from yeah. your chair. Yeah yeah yeah. That's all my. I feel like there's yeah. bigger lessons. I have no. I don't have any lessons cool. for you. Yeah. Those right. are those are my takeaways. So that's the. That's oh, the here's a lesson. Yeah. A, a lesson I learned today is. I should read more Mark Twain. Yeah, it's good, right? He's a fabulous wordsmith. He really is good. He should win some sort of award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been digging it a lot. Uh, so yeah, uh, there we have probably at least two more episodes. A million more chapters, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I that's just, my. That's I think I'm getting the. Sense you were like very fast, David. You. I can't believe we got through so many yeah, today. Yeah, so many. Um, the, but I feel like that's becoming my style in, in this podcast. Is like I find stories that are multi part. Like yeah, I can't, I can't do them in one episode. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, cool. and I can barely read enough English to get through <laughs> one story. Yeah, well, Listen, this is the first one that I've just been straight up reading to you. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I feel like I'm engaging. There's only a couple parts I disengage. You'll hear it when you edit it. Great. Uh, great. Uh, I'm also excited to continue on with this tale. It's a fun one, you know. And this is about as far as I remember, like from the general story. I was about to say, know? and so far. Uh, Every version of this, I don't remember the fun scene where the kid, where Henry VIII is telling yeah. people, like, yo, get the everyone together, we gotta get the shit locked out. That's all fun stuff. Yeah, this yeah. is all fun stuff. I'm not excited to continue. I wonder what will happen next time. Yeah, dude. Uh, if I were to do some pre-prediction, I mean, okay. I'll save it for next time. Sure. I, I have some ideas of what's coming up, but it's all the particulars that I'm not, that I don't okay. know about. Well, then before the next one, you have to, like, listen through this or something so you remember your pre-prediction. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's good. Anyway, listen. I would love to continue talking, but the cat looks up to devious <laughs> shit again. So, <laughs> right that's been the, David right Miller. Power cord. I'm Michael Santel, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time for more Prince and the Popper. Okay, bye. Okay, good day, my lord. That's our show, thanks for coming round Don't be sad, no need to frown We'll have more stories, don't throw a fit Goodbye one and all, and we'll see you in a bit Your episode, so you get to do the I intro know, this time I'll catch you in, here we go right. now <laughs> One Mississippi, two Mississippi We're going down to three Mississippi Hey everyone Well, that was too loud <laughs> I surprised myself Yeah, you did, you gotta go a little, a little less aggressive on it, David okay, alright, 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 alright